Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, and we are here in this fallow Six Nations weekend to talk about all the stories, and there's been a fair few of them this week. One or two. And to obviously preview the Six Nations this coming weekend, Premiership, Top 14, Pro 14's been going on as well, Super Rugby as well. So here we are in the Rugby Dungeon, thank you for listening, you can subscribe on the cesspit of Twitter at Rugby Podcast. (laughs) Uh, we're on Acast, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, frankly. Subscribe uh, and then you will get every episode directly into your feed with me, Tim, with him, JB. Hello, Tim. And with him, Phil. Hello, Tim. Right. So let's waste no time whatsoever. If you were a Six Nations head coach okay, and you could, dra- you could draft players into your squad uh-huh. for the coming weekend, the next couple of weekends... Who would who would come into your squad that's on the outside? That's an interesting question, and it's one of those questions I wish that you told me about before we started the show. <laughs> um, I'll let Phil answer first. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a man who's in the squad, the Island squad, mm-hmm. who I think would be fairly handy. But he's not well, actually two of them who've not played a game this time. Two of my beloved Ulstermen. Um, McCloskey, and possibly more importantly, Will Addison. Yes. I think I'd, I'd really like to see Will Addison in that uh, back three. Now, I, think, I think many neutrals would agree with you. Or maybe... maybe Instead of? Well, that, that is the problem. Because you're not getting Andrew Conway and Lama aren't coming out of the back three. No, and Stockers isn't coming out of the back three. No. So but on maybe, the bench? Maybe, maybe just cause for his versatility on the bench. I'd like to see those two involved a bit more. And if, mm. if you're going to pick... So if you're going to pick two direct running centres in Aki and uh, Henshaw, um, why not pick Stockers, who's actually bigger and stronger than both of those? Stockers? Uh, Stockers. McCloskey, even. Yeah. But Stockers is also bigger and stronger than both of those, in fact. So, yeah. That's one change, or some game time, some squad time I'd like to see. That's interesting. Uh, England, Mm. well, not only... Is Taman Harrison again an outstanding showing? He's an outstanding yeah, number eight. That's a good one. And Alex Don Brandt showing he is an outstanding number eight. They both had great games. But another person who had a great game on the outside of the England squad in that same position back after four months is that yeah. Mercer. Yeah. It's almost like England got too many eights to pick from. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suppose Eddie Jones is going to bring any of them in. Certainly wouldn't not for thought, Ireland. Wouldn't have thought so. So no. there was a rumour going around that Eddie was going to refresh his squad big time in the second half of the Six Nations. That's not doesn't seem to be happening. I know we've got one more game before the official halfway point, but 
Well, half, half time it's, in the island well, game is the halfway point. Well, yeah. I there might be a wholesale changes then. Let, well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but no sign of that. Uh, I think Harrison's a great shout. I can't help but think that that ship has just sailed, though. It's just oh, no, I no, I, I agree. But Zach Mercer's the, what, the new one to add to the list of number eights that look, well, have put their hand up. I mean, and Zach Mercer did that in his first game back after four months and was excellent for Bath. Hmm. Yeah. I think he probably is one of those that he might need a little bit more game time yeah. before dropping in. Oh, absolutely. Straight in. And if, if he misses next week, he's got opportunity for a couple more weeks with Bath before the next England I'm game. not bothered about any of them not being involved in the Six Nations, and I think that's almost what a tour, the Tour to Japan should be about. Yeah. Rest a lot of the World Cup guys. Yeah, because you've got a lot been of... playing continually since exactly. September last year. And the bulk of that squad, Eddie Jones has had very little turnover couple of players here and there, and they're the guys that got to a World Cup final. Well, it's, it's interesting when you say a little turnover. Curious. So, uh, very curious. Uh, fascinating. <laughs> the, so, his core group of players have remained a stable core group of players. He's then brought in a huge number of players into the squad to have a look at them, to determine whether he deems them test match animals. And then a huge number have gone by the wayside without actually playing a game. What do you game. think he's... Lo- I'd love to know what he looks for. So the players talk... If you've ever heard them talk about how tough the fitness sessions are with under Eddie, the fitness and skills, so it's like a, yeah. a game-type scenario. And when you listen to the players talk about that, they all say it's more difficult than playing Test Match Rugby. So That's I've got, what I say, well, in Wales Cup too, isn't So it? God yeah. knows what it, what it is, but it sounds tough. And he obviously uses that both for the fitness, for the intensity side, but also as a do you think this is predictor. So do you think this is binary? Is like, he's just not fit enough. He's just not working hard enough. It, well, I think it's more than just he's not fit enough. He's not working hard enough might be a better descriptor because yeah. there's an element when it comes to fitness like that, for, certainly from when I've been doing it, of a mental side oh, as well. Oh, to- exactly. The mental exactly. I mean, so it almost, it almost doesn't matter. It's not about what levels you reach on the bleep test. It's do you go until you pass out with exhaustion have I made and have up? to be put on yeah. a drip? Yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. Going beyond. I'm sure, I've made, I'm sure I'm making this up now. But I seem to recall, maybe it's the sevens team, but they train with heart rate monitors on, don't they? And when your yeah. heart rate gets to a certain, a certain, a certain height... I'm sure with the sevens team, they were pulling them out of training because that's when injuries occur, when they're in, in, incredibly <coughs> fatigued. Yes. I wonder if they're looking at that saying, okay, he's not completed, say, the bleep test, but he was running at 6,000 beats a minute uh, for five minutes, which is, which, which, which is pretty good, uh, and therefore we'll let him off, even though his overall fitness isn't great, if that makes sense. Yeah, but then there'll be a bit where... So even though his heart rate has not reached what we believe the maximum is, his performance has started dipping, so that's a mental thing that he's not pushing himself through the pain barrier. Yeah, interesting. Do you see what I mean? God. So also, I know um, certainly a while ago, the RFU were looking at um, probably heart rate monitors, but also the GPS data, because they track both total distance run, but also max speed and um, maintaining max speed over a period of Mm. time. They were looking at that to try and correlate it, if I can say that, with injuries. So using the two of them to potentially predict Ah. injuries. But I think think the nature of Rebuni is so unpredictable. Um, David Epstein would call it a wicked game, where there are just so many moving parts and so many unpredictable parts that 
I think it would be very difficult to trap that compared to, say, um, doing a bleep test or doing like well, a 5K. I guess compared to football, because football is basically running and then more running. It's just running. I mean, there's obviously a tremendous amount of skill involved, but the physical aspect of it is only running. Uh, yeah, unless you get a freak um, contact type injury. Because yeah. most of the contact, like shoulder to shoulder contact in football, you, is very, you then very dive. Low. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot <laughs> of danger sorry, in, yeah. in diving onto the floor then and rolling yeah, around. Precisely. There's a lot of it's very low contact, whereas rugby is very high contact and normally more than two people in each contact, and it's very unpredictable for yeah. injuries. Mm. Absolutely. But I, I would, I'd love to. I'd love to know what those parameters are for yeah, in Eddie so you... Jones's head, and it might be just you might have a few that are hard and fast written down, and a few will just be a gut feel type thing. Yeah, yeah, that that's the sort of question someone needs to, needs to ask him because I I've never actually heard him talk about that, and he's probably the most interviewed coach I've ever come across. That would be really interesting. Yeah, ask ask that next time. That's what you should ask. <laughs> At what, for Wales, there's a lot of talk about the fly half position. Yeah, why so is this? More, in, not, more injuries. Dunbeg not recovered. Potentially not. And Williams has got a hamstring strain, has he? Looking like they might need to field another ten against France. And um, there's talk that Wales will instantly relax their sixty cap outside mm. of Wales rule to allow Reese Priestland to take the reins for Wales. Strike me as the way forward that. But Callum Sheedy is putting his hand up with his performances for Bristol I as well. I think I would go that direction. It's not a bad option. Get him some game time. Mm. See if he's a test match animal. Yeah, well, the thing is, this is the difference between England and Wales. Well, it was in the Gatland. We don't know what's going to happen there. But Gatland are going to make a test, a test match animal. How many fitness camps would Thomas Francis need to show up to before... <laughs> you know, how many attempts at Eddie Jones' camp would he need before he got, he got in the team? Yeah. Under Eddie Jones, a lot. Yeah. So we'll he, see on, he'd have one attempt and that, that's it. We'll see on the Wales one, but there's clearly an issue at 10 there for them. Uh, elsewhere, some people are, are, are sort of saying, should George North continue? I think he will continue on the wing. I think he shouldn't. I think he, needs... I think he will, but I, I'm with you. I think okay. he should. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see, see Louis you know stomach. Put that one on ice and we'll come yeah. back to Six Nations at the end. And the final one is Italy. Well, they can do what they want. And France, who knows? <laughs> France well, don't, well, don't, really, don't, don't really need to do don't anything. Really... Scotland, though, there's one player they need that we heard more of, um, well, from his coach, that there was an update since our last podcast on, on the situation with Finn Russell. Will he be in the Scotland squad to, to line up in this next game against Italy? He played for Racing 92 today. Who knows? Did they win? They did just 30 points to 27. Cheslin Colby, yeah. by the way, fly half, nailing touchline conversions all over the show. Cheslin Colby's fly half? Yeah. He started at 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He did nail a touchline conversion. He missed one wow. from just in front yeah, as well. That's ambitious. A bit isn't it? I mean, it's a bold move. It's very bold. Do you remember speaking to a relatively young South African chap in Osaka? A relatively young South African in Osaka. Yeah. Who was there with his family? Oh yes. Yes. Um Was it Stu? Stuart, Stuart. Yeah. He was saying his school played against Cheslin Colby's school. And his, his Colby's school put Colby at fly half, just because, like, just get the ball in his hands. He didn't. He never needed to pass it or kick it because you That's, just give it to Cheslin Colby and he'll do the rest. That? Well, we'd, we'd have a few uh, strong zeros. I you are clearly you clearly hadn't had enough strong zeros. <laughs> I, that. I played. I played up. I played up from the fifth form. I played in the first team, um, or year ten as they call it now, or year eleven. What's, what's GCSEs? Whatever it is, GCSE. Whatever. Fifth form. Year eleven. 
let's say I, I played two years up into the first team. All and, right. And that's, no, 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 that's not. <laughs> anyway, okay, so played, like played against Lord Wandsworth School. Um, which is quite a good school. Oh, Johnny was... Wilkinson was there. Yeah. And he was 12. He wasn't even the 10. Was he any good? He was all right, yeah. He's 12 years old playing... Fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the 12. <laughs> Noticeably better he... than everyone else? He was... You could tell he was good. Didn't yeah. he play in the under-21s, I think it was at the time, or the under-19s? Um, I'm sure he played 12 in that as well. And there was a lad, who had a name I definitely cannot remember, who played 10... And kept Johnny Wilkinson out of the ten. That's shirt. his claim to fame, isn't it? He's uh, telling never, that. Never made it. Never. Yeah, like, he's a name you'll never ever remember. Never heard of him. Interesting. So a story like that is Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger couldn't start for his school team because uh, <laughs> the coach's son played quarterback. I wonder, I wonder what's happened to him. <laughs> wow. The coach's son. <laughs> yeah. What did, career what, trajectory? Phil, you you saw what um, Gregor Townsend had to say on the Finn Russell situation. What did you What did you take from that? So. To a degree, this was exactly what I was expecting, which was we heard one side of the story from Finn Russell last weekend, which um, didn't really paint him in a particularly negative light. We've then heard another story which contradicts a lot of it from Gregor Townsend. It, now, it doesn't, it doesn't throw um, Finn Russell under a bus as much, but it does certainly disagree with some of the statements that Finn Russell said. Um, just around Finn Russell's um, attitude and willingness to engage with the process and some of the suggestions from Finn Russell that um, Gregor Townsend didn't particularly like him or he found him hard to, to work with. Certainly from Gregor's side, um, he had a lot of positive things to say about Finn Russell and how coachable he was, mm. and and how he's enjoyed coaching Finn Russell well, for the past seven or eight years. So Finn Russell's criticism of Gregor Townsend is he's not a people's person. But then if you're not a people's person, you probably wouldn't identify that you're not a people's person. You probably, you probably think you're doing it fine. I can't believe I'm going to say this. You need to turn yourself up just a little bit, JB. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> just a tiny just bit. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. There you go. How's that? That's better. Oh, that's more like more. it. That's more like it. Okay. Yeah, you probably wouldn't notice that you're not a people's person. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. And I suppose Greg has also got to be mindful of leaving the door well open. Well, very, very much open. He's Yeah, although he could have been, had he wanted to leave it firmly open, he could have been a lot kind of nicer and um, he could have disagreed well, a lot less with... Well, he could have and called Finn. Well, so I think... On the, the irony is, Finn Russell said, this guy doesn't talk to me. So he's told the paper... <laughs> That he does talk to him, rather than picking up the phone and saying, yeah, um, Finn, let's talk about this. But then it was Finn Russell that started the paper yes, he did. type stuff. With his, it felt like Finn wanted to get man the man spreading out. on the big sofa. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> that, yeah, that picture just rigged of contrition. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see anyway, and we'll come back to the Six Nations at the end. There's been plenty of other stuff going on. Um, we'll, get, we'll get into the championship and the funding issue there, because that's quite a meaty one to get into, but uh, die young. Yeah. Young, the, the yeah, good the good die young. They do live oh, fast, good, die nice. young. Good die young, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, personally, I think it should have happened a while ago. Uh, I, he obviously seems like a very good good man. Pe- people like him. I've questioned his coaching for a fair a fair bit of time now, and I think wasps. You know, they, I, 
on balance, I think they probably made the, made the right they made the right decision. Hmm. So, do you think they will retain Lee Blackett and Titterall and their current um, coaching setup Ian for the Costello, remain- defense coach? Yeah, for the remainder of the season. I don't. Do you think they'll make an appointment before the uh, end of the oh, season? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean I'm, yeah. I don't know is is the answer, but I think I would not be surprised at all if someone else co- comes in at the end of the season. Let's talk about Joe Worsley being announced within the next couple of days. That's a that's a decent signing. Yeah, because he's been coaching in France for a good number of years with uh, with some positive results. Yeah, I'm going to stick up for Die Young and say that he became coach in 2011. Yeah, he turned the club around. Yep. Took them to the brink of winning the Premiership. Nate, one stupid Nathan Hughes penalty away from <laughs> winning the Premiership, potentially. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple of years, he's been operating with a backdrop of severe financial issues. Yep. Which have put massive constraint on his wages to the fact... I I mean, I don't know this for certain, but... I think they're about two million under, aren't they? I, 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 I've made that number up. I think they're significantly under the wage cap and possibly the lowest paying... The lowest wage bill in the Premiership. Yeah, and on top of that, you've got the, you know, you've got the training ground issues. The training ground yeah. issues. He, yeah. he has lost. He has lost some absolutely amazing players. Yeah. Which you t- you take the top four or five players out of any side in the Premiership, and then say, "Go on, off you go, go and do Sa- your job." Saracens. And don't replace him. Um. So I, I I feel very sorry for Die Young. I think he's a I think he's done a really good job, and he's been a very steady hand on the tiller. There were there were stories of times where he paid the tiller is through right. through hard times, and there were stories about him. And I don't know if they're true or not, but there were there were certainly stories about him paying players out of his own pocket when the club couldn't pay them. No, I think the stories were. Was, or he paid for some things. Yeah, he's, that, he's, he's, I, do you know? I think the story was he was paying for medical supplies. Yeah, tape, tape, that's, that's medical it. supplies. Yeah, God. That's that's what I think. So least. if that if that gives a context as to what he's yeah. been operating within, and how how destabilising that must be to anyone trying to keep a squad together when that as a backdrop. I think there's a few things though. I think he's generally done as well as his, as his squad lets him. So when his squad was good, he did very well. When his squad is not so not so good, he basically correlated with the talent av- t- talent available to him. Like say, steady hand on the tiller, I get that. But after well, this amount that's of time... No. Well, bearing in mind other clubs in the league that that you look at and go, well, are, are Leicester operating to the talent that they have in their squad? No, below it. Right. Yeah. And that's why they should all be fired. Right? <laughs> but, um, Gloucester, for example, for the last few years. Yeah. Bath, yeah. Bath, apart, apart from the one, one year in 2015. Then, you look at Exeter, now they've got no one in the... Well, they've got a couple of lads in, in the England squad, but they tend to make everyone around yeah. them better, don't, don't they? Mm. Yeah. Um, Steve Diamond, uh, that's a great example. You know, always operating on one of the small, smallest budgets traditionally and not getting relegated. You know, he was doing doing something else. They need a Steve Diamond type, I would, I would say, at Wasps, because they're lucky this year there was no relegation. But if there was relegation, there'd be a real hole. And actually, it's probably one of the reasons that Dai Young's gone is because they don't need to worry about this. Yeah. You know, if they want to transition away from Dai Young, now is a good time to do it. Loris Delalio intimated as much after the Wasps-Leicester game. Yeah. yeah. So the statement that was made was he's he's stepping away from first-team duties for an interim period, mm. which is a kind of a non-conclusive way of saying he's quit or he's been fired. I don't think Wasps want to get rid as such. I think Wasps want to have somebody else in there 
who has a more modern take on coaching or a different spin on coaching. I think, I think they do. I, 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 I'm reading into it. They probably do want to get rid, but he's on a long contract. Oh, that is absolutely true too. But I don't, yeah. think, they would, I don't think they would be adverse to keeping him around. But in a non-rugby, you know, like it well, they, they ha- they ha- well, they might as well if they're going to spend the money on him. If he's not going to go and and come to a compromise arrangement where he gets a percentage off, yeah. of his contract, then well, they may as well get some value out of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mowing I mean, the pitches and cleaning down the showers yeah, and I mean, look, sweeping the, the changing rooms. Money he's on, he's on a good a, a good contract. Tight head. Do you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to keep him around and just pay him you know, part of his contract? Every month, which I think I probably do, until he decides to move on and get a new job, or you want to pay him all in one go. And I know what I would choose. Um, it's it's a sad it it's a sad way for a, you know, a good man to leave to, to leave a club, is what I think. But I also think Wasps will look back at the decision and go, yeah, actually, pretty good, pretty good move. I I wonder if there'll be people in that squad who sign contracts because Die Young was sticking around. I think it might be the opposite. I think it might be the opposite. Uh, but you know, it's only conjecture. Yeah, mm. uh, a big story this week: Ch- championship funding slash. This has caused. Uh, I was quite pleased and su- well, maybe not surprised, but I was quite pleased how how this captured the imagination of a real broad amount of rugby fans, fans of Premiership, fans of just Six Nations, or fans yeah. of grassroots clubs and and players as well, and players, yeah, at, at all levels. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who have played in and around that level and gone on to do better things. Yep. So I'm going to attempt to summarise what's happened. So yep. this is basically, reading between the lines, a consequence of a new boss at the RFU and Conor O'Shea coming into his post. Mm-hmm. And this is them putting their... That seems to have been what's prompted the change, right? I think that's that seems apparently, reasonable. Apparently, sorry, just to interrupt you, apparently Conor O'Shea drives a Lamborghini. Please continue. <laughs> it was I'm sure it was a Maserati when he was at Quinns. Um, so got to get the free parking. The the basis on which the RFU have in February 2020 come out and said as of next year September 2020 yeah. uh, we are going to ch- cut the funding by roughly 50% is on the basis that they've said the 14 championship clubs have not achieved the agreed goals of producing a financially viable second tier Developing and growing a second tier um, w- uh, with the ambition to become a premiership club. Developing English qualified players for premier clubs and ultimately England teams. Develop English premiership and national coaches and developing a community programme associated, associated with the clubs. I think this is what's really... Lots going, lots th- go out there. I think what's really upset the championship clubs is they've gone... Oh, sorry, what? Those goals were conditional. Um, this is on basis... They, this is what they said they agreed in 2015... And the championship clubs have collectively said, um, these goals were what we were all working on together. They weren't conditional goals that meant our funding got cut. Um, yeah, there's no contingent. There was contingent no, and, 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 if, and if it was a case that it was uh, dependent, then in the last four years, you've not mentioned it once, that, yeah. that one of them or other of them or one club or other club is underachieving it. Um, so to, co- to come out and do it in February... Is that they, 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 they well, it's shocking and um, outrageous, I yeah. think, with the my, words. My words biggest used. issue with this by a country mile is uh, it was so sudden. You know, uh, at least give me give them more notice. Give me, you know, you've got business models that need to change, you've got contracts that need to be paid, staff that need further employment. You need to give these people more, more notice. That for me was by far the biggest takeaway. I can actually get on board with a lot of what the RFU has said there, 
But I can't get on board with just saying, hey, guys, next year we're going to cut your funding by half. Uh, yeah. Deal with it now. In six months' time. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about... All, well, do worry about all those contracts you've already put in place for all your players to be playing next year because you're going to have to be funding most of it. Yeah. That That's... You're right. That bit... So the timing of it is, I think, dreadful. Like yeah. when you're trying to run business. And Tim, I think the point that you're highlighting on those those RFU deliverables is a really, really key one because you'll often have contracts where there are clear, explicit conditions that you need to make and there are punitive measures if you fail to make those meet those well, conditions. You're working in construction. Uh, yeah, there with construction contracts. And you'll often have things like you need to build this scope to this spec on this date. If you fail that, then there are punitive measures, there are delayed damages and you'll be liable for potentially tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds a day or a week. Mm. There are also, within the contracts, nice, soft, fluffy words around working collaboratively, around um, CSR-type stuff. around uh, Corporate social responsibility-type mm-hmm. stuff, like um, developing the community stuff, um, community projects, raising apprenticeships, that kind of thing where it is all um, parties' ambition to do as well as you can on those objectives, but there are no teeth, there are no punitive measures um, against if you fail to meet those conditions. And it seems like in this, certainly the championship clubs themselves have seen these deliverables as that softer side thing. And possibly even the RFU have seen it as that softer side ambition for four and a half years Mm -hmm. until they've got themselves in a sticky situation financially and then they've used them as a get-out to avoid paying what is a couple of million pounds a year in in fees to these RFU uh, to these championship clubs. Yeah. And that that while it's in the contract the the way I'm reading the championship clubs message is that flip from it's an ambition to oh no this is a punitive measure this you, is this is a, yeah. a demand that you had to have met these and, and otherwise also, you're getting hit with a stick. They just can't control. One of them was Developing coaches. Well, has anyone given these coaches a shot? I mean, when's the last time that we heard of a coach been pulled up from the well, championship? I, I don't agree. That the, I don't agree that the championship aren't delivering on some of these. By the way, well, you know, they might. I mean, the, the problem is, we just mentioned Lee Blackett is now uh, acting head coach at Wasps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there's an example. Been, yeah, Lee Blackett's been there for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. But where where did he where did he come through? He was Rotherham, yeah, wasn't I, he? I'm not he played, saying, played Lee in the championship. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is. There might be a ton of coaches in the championship who are good enough, who just need a chance. And if they're not given those, given that chance, well, how can they possibly say? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and and let's just let's just flip this and let's just say that the RFU were suddenly saying that there was a financial um, situation if Premiership clubs didn't achieve a financially viable professional game. You could, I mean, you could say how how profe- how financially viable is the Premiership at this moment so, in time? How English qualified yeah. players was it? Uh, which team was it? What uh, was it? Sale this weekend I had doubt five it. English qualified players in their starting fifteen. It was something. It was Sale or Worcester, maybe. No, I don't know. Worcester. It would be Worcester. <laughs> but 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 um, there are there are. It's, it's inconsistent standards. Inconsistent okay. standards, and then in, <coughs> English coaches and things that again there are. I'm not sticking up for the for the Premiership RFU though, but I think understanding it probably helps you just you know just maybe digest what's happened a little better. So when people say it's an unsustainable business model and they point to the Premiership losing what is it average two point five million a year or something ridiculous like, like that, that's absolutely true. 
But the problem is the RFU and the Premiership interact because the Premiership need the need the RFU, and the and the RFU need 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 the Premiership's players. So those two are locked. Those two are um, are locked together. Now that payment going to the Premiership clubs is not to make them financial financially sustainable. In fact, I would argue, as we've spoken about many a times on this pod, that Premiership rugby isn't sustainable. They're basically playthings of rich people who want to do further business off the back of owning these clubs, which is fine, and that in itself is a sort of sustainability. So it isn't it isn't the same thing. They don't need to be sustainable because someone is footing the bill. Now, the payments to the championship club, unless they can be financially sustainable on their own two feet, they're something, complete, they're something completely different. And also, the championship isn't going to be putting back as much into Team England and, you know, the and the RFU structures as, say, the Premiership is. And actually, the Premiership isn't doing that. What the Premiership's doing is just supplying the players for the national team, which raises all the money for everything yeah, anyway. But I say, so my view on this, just in a nutshell, is that's a very short... I agree that that's how it's being seen, and I can see the logic in what you're saying. I think that's a really short-sighted way of looking at the Championship, because actually, was it in the, in the squad that went to Murrayfield, 13 out of the... Or, 13 out of the starting 15 or something like 15 out of the 23 or something like that. A, a big number of them spent some time. some time in the championship. And and if you've ever watched A-League games, mm. it is not a competition that prepares you for premiership or international rugby. Any, you watch a championship game, particularly if you're a forward, forward definitely. you are getting... And Phil's played in the championship, so you can... Uh, Phil can speak from experience on this one. You are getting meaningful rugby and meaningful rugby mm. when points are on the line, when it matters, repli- replicating yeah, there is the no situation way. that you get in the Premiership way more than A-League does. There's no yeah. way. I've, I mean, I've been to a fair few um, A-League games and there's no way. That, that do, it doesn't even look like Premiership. Do you know what it looks like? It looks like rubbish super rugby. That's what it looks like. It's just fast <laughs> and loose with loads of kids. Mighty Cup. And actually, Premiership players don't play well in the A-League. So I, I went to watch a, a game once with a load of heavy... Sale lads in, in there, big the guys who you'd want to grind out a win, and they just couldn't keep up with with like basically a young wasps team. Yeah, eight, eighteen to twenty one year olds. Everyone who want to, to spin the ball. Well, yeah, and, and Premiership coaches are saying, "Well, God, the demands on our squad are such that it's so hard. We've always got 10, 15 guys in the physio room. We've got to put out a squad at the weekend. The number of A League games that get dropped." because they can't field squads or they're they're packing them full of local lads from national one. Yeah, yeah. And, and so so just in my opinion the A League which is this is where I think the RFU are going to take it or the Premier Rugby are going to take it where it's um it's Premiership and A League together and that's an academy Premiership A League academy and that's the pathway. And the Premiership Rugby Cup thrown in. And Premiership that. Rugby Cup and I just I I don't think that is the right pathway and I actually think the championship is the right way to get rugby under your belt. At meaningful rugby, and so I would ring fence the top two leagues if you were going to ring fence, and try and have yeah. twenty four or twenty six teams. Uh, but Phil's played in the championship, so we should defer to him on this one a little bit. Well, the, the point that you make, um, well, actually, before I, I really only played when it was National One because in two thousand and oh, I played the same level as you then. Well, two thousand and nine was it when uh, National One became the championship. Oh, so there were 16, there were 16 teams in it at that stage. Oh, there was Premiership A and Premiership B at one point, wasn't there? Oh, that's, was that's before my, that's way, that's that's before my time. So when I played from about... Coach two, Leagues was this. 2006 to 2009, it was Premiership, then National One. And there were 16 teams at that stage in yeah. National One. And then, teams. then yeah, 
uh, playing that brutal season. That. Playing that when, especially at, at that stage, you had probably five London teams. You had um, maybe one or two in the northeast, down to Red Roof. Yeah, some some Cornish, well Cornish Pirates, um, Isha, Cinderford. Uh, I'm getting confused with the years. Anyway, um, so they changed it then from 16 down to 12. They doubled or tripled the funding at that stage for the 12 that made it and with the ambition of everyone being um, full-time pro. Now, at that stage, it wasn't really viable. You had a handful of full-time pro teams like your Exeters and your Leeds um, and a few others, Plymouth, Cornish, uh, Pirates, those type organisations, and a few who were like mix and match, maybe a few pro players, a few part-timers, and then some like Sedgley Parks and your your Orals and your Otleys, in years before that or Manchester's or your Richmond's who were just like mm. kind of well very much amateur or semi-pro part-timers um, in terms of the, the standard there's a good number of players who've gone on to bigger, much bigger and better things the likes of uh, Joe Marlow Mark Atkinson um, Harry, big, Harry big Williams Luth. said he wouldn't be playing he wouldn't be an England player now yeah. were it not ben for Moon, Jersey his yeah, time there yeah all, all of those boys who now it's interesting because it's, it's, it's uh, fascinating, it's fascinating. It's curious, curious. <laughs> um, because um, a good number of those players were academy players loaned out. There were relatively few, or I think there's relatively few who've gone the Mark Atkinson type route, um, the Harry where, Williams, where they might have been academy route. players and then got let go, yeah, the Billy Twelve Trees type route, yeah, against someone who's at Bedford, um. Ben Where, yeah, sorry, Ben Ben Ronson. Yes, well, there's yeah, quite a London, London, London Welsh. Ed, Ed Slater, Callum Green. Yeah, yeah. So I played Ben Ronson when he was at Saracens Academy when he was playing for I'm sure it was London Welsh. Um, Paul Doran Jones was a similar one, um, although I think his route was slightly different again. But yeah, the, I think there's far more of the England players who were yeah. academy players, Aca- academy players loaned who were loaned out for a bit of game time. The, yeah. the pure ones who have either were. Like a Rory McConaughey, yeah, who was Hartbury, yeah, guys like that who were either picked up by an academy and then dropped, or not in an academy. There's not many of those, and then uh, have come through. Harry Williams and Rory McConaughey are the only ones I can think of that have had England time. Was Mark Wilson one of those? England, sorry, England time with uh, uh, who who were like either let go or never made it into an academy, and then got to the top via a lower, yeah. a lower league team, uh, a lo- lower league team. Roy uh, McConaughey and Billy, Harry Williams. Billy Twelve Trees. Billy Twelve Trees. Because he was oh, Leicester yeah. Tigers, then dropped by them, had an unbelievable season for Bedford. Ed Slater, Callum Green, Alex Lewington. Um, mm. there, there are a lot of these guys, but in, in terms of the top, very, very top, 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 top level England players, there's a load Most, in the Premiership. Yeah. Not as many in the England team. No. But, but, but I, I, you would sort of expect that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would. You would. So you think a lot of them... But to, to your point before, Tim, I think... I think there could be an alternative. I think, JB, what you were hinting at before was the RFU are going to look at some other route of getting these players um, yeah. great experience. Premiership Rugby Cup, um, A-League, whatever it is. I, th- I think you're right, Tim. I think, based on my experience and what I know about those different competitions, I think that certainly for forwards... Championship is a brilliant, brilliant breeding ground for the attritional rugby. Now, if they can create a, a, as good a breeding ground, great, let's see it. Um, and you do have then the true, um, the club standing on their own two feet without this additional funding. But 
I'm I'm not sure how realistic that is in the short term. So I, I okay. So just out of interest, how much were you getting paid in the championship a game? Uh, not a huge amount. So I, when I played, I was 21, fresh out of uni. I got offered. Uh, I played a few games for the second team. Scored loads one million of, tries. Scored a load of tries, and then got called up to play away at Doncaster. Um, and it was a very relatively small amount. Um, I got no, so nas- few hundred National One, Newbury, quid. and Manchester was around about the same amount of money, and it was sort of along the line. I remember Newbury; it was fifty quid if you played, yeah, a hundred quid if you played and you won. Oh, nice. So <laughs> the issue I have with it, right, is I was talking to a friend of mine who's a football manager, and he was saying in the conference, these lads in the oh, was one below the conference. You know, you can expect something like a thousand pound a week. Now with the championship. Um, or the level that you guys were at when oh. it was National One, it was nothing like that, right? No. So I, I, used to, watched... I used to get 25 oh. quid, uh, 25 quid uh, for each training session, Tuesday, Thursday as well. So. Nice, nice. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong, there were guys... Oh, yeah, were, yeah, and were there were other guys who were on good money. money. Like, the, the rumour... So I played against Exeter when Steenson was there, Matt Jess was there, I think Ben Moon was there, Dan Tui was there. Yeah. Like, they, they had a load of... Carlos Spencer? Proper, ben Moon. Proper <laughs> ben yeah, Moon would have been there. So all those guys were there... Um, and there was rumours that they were paying, so this is 2009, but they were paying premiership salaries to their entire squad. And they had at that stage, they had almost like two full squads because they had the squad that had got them there. That's right. And then they had they brought in an extra like 20 guys who were the highest paid players, but they were paying like 50 guys on that. Yeah, that, that, that kind of money. They, the year they went up, they had the biggest squad in, in the Premiership. It's, it's, it's a huge, actually. absolutely huge squad. And there are guys, there are clubs in the Championship who are who are paying decent wedge. Yeah, so, but not, not but there are on, guys so, who are on like three grand a year. So my on point, my point on this, right, is that the Championship in some ways is good. And if it, it was sustainable, everyone was a full-time professional, I'd be like, okay... I can see where the that's how, well. That's how most clubs operate in the championship, or at least I certainly thought there was the majority. Two full-time teams. Don't uh, these days. Genuinely, I don't know. I mean, that, that's what I thought, but I could be wrong. Anyway, so my point is this: um, if you're only paying a certain amount of money to these players, the, the biggest problem with the championship is the travel. You you could not really. I mean, you're either playing because you want to go up to the, go go up to, go up to the Premiership. But you can't make can't make a living there. So you've got a situation where players don't want to be there because four hundred quid a weekend isn't enough to give up your Friday, your Saturday, and then recover on Sunday. My whole thing with the championship is I actually think it should become completely amateur, and I think it should regionalise. Uh, and if they want to play long distance games, they can have a a cup game. Where, where does that where way. does that meaningful rugby come for someone like Dan Cole? Uh, who spent a lot of time? He spent several seasons at Bedford and said it was the making of him. Yeah, because for, for for tight heads particularly playing against those old boys who play in that league, where, where does, that would be brilliant. Where does I mean, yes, Carl Sinclair hasn't done that. He's spent a few games on loan at Championship, and there are ways to do it. But my suggestion for the Championship, right? And it works. No, no, I understand. Where, where do players get where I do players get that meaningful rugby? I think it's a mixture from going into a professional club once every couple of weeks. Sale do this a lot with a lot of players. They just bring them in. They. You know, give them some time there, and then they send them away again. And then no, the no. highest level. Where did where do the young guys in a within the in, in a club setup get? Okay, you just yeah, send them out to a club. Yeah, basically. Mm, okay, and I think that's the way. I mean, if you look at the clubs around um, the northwest, right? Which is yeah, which is the area that we know which best. Is, yeah. You will see sale lads constantly going out 
not to championship clubs, but places like Sale FC, Macclesfield, um, clubs which are on the championship. But they can get meaningful rugby, which isn't championship rugby, uh, a couple of levels down. And in a way, that works better. Because you can get better quality players for less or no money because, well, actually, they do have to travel. But the travel isn't as um, onerous as in, as in the championship. So I think I'd start... I mean, so, certainly in the Northwest, you could have a hell of a league. So uh, I, like a really competitive league. I, I could get on board with regionalising it, but you would need, you would need um, overarching competition. So national, like a national cup type yes, competition. Yes, you need a cup and you need a regional one. I do still think that will lead to... A lower standard than the championship currently is. I, I agree. With, I, I agree with that. Standard, but there'd be a lot more players playing. It's it. like South Africa have Super Rugby Curry Cup, and the Curry Cup is awesome. The yeah. the the, the, the um, Mitre Ten in New Zealand yeah, is I, a really ITM Cup or whatever it's ITM called. Cup, whatever it is, is, is a days. good yeah, good it's standard. A bloody good standard. <laughs> and and the, and the championship in England is a damn good standard. It is. It is a good standard. But I, I think. Lowering that standard a bit to have more players involved would be better. And actually, if you're not paying the players, they're more likely to stay in their stay in their clubs and form a good nucleus of local teams. And I think about Nottingham, right? Do Nottingham fans or the people of Nottingham really care if Nottingham beat Doncaster, for instance? Yeah. There's, there's a good, I mean, good that, couple a, of thousand who do. That's, that, that's a particular rivalry. And yeah, there's a couple of thousand that do, that, that would turn out and watch that one and that do, um, which is only... You know, proportionally, that's not that far off some of the attendances at Premiership clubs. Well, sorry, maybe that's maybe that's about bad example. What, what the point I'm trying to make is, if you had a local rivalry, so actually those, those two could actually end up in the same regional competition anyway. Yeah, but if you had, um, if you had four regions, yeah, they probably would like, do. Said, uh, you know, do do when Sedgley Park were up there was it exciting for Redroof. I don't think either team really knew anything <laughs> about each other, right? Whereas Macclesfield, Sedgley Park. That's a I, I, I understand what you're saying, but, but people care. I understand what you're saying. So the one, the one other thing I would add into the mix, and this is just from very personal experience, um, is that the the route my brother took to being mm. a Premiership mm. player was we went to a comprehensive school that played rugby just between September and December, just one term of it at school, yeah. and we would play against the we would play against the odd private school. Who clearly, you know, their their guys are training every day after school in yep. the gym, and and I went through the county representative thing, and you're playing against all these private school kids, and you just the coaching that they get the different level, isn't it? The conditioning that they get is a different level, so that by the time they're eighteen, nineteen, they're getting into an academy, they are ready. My brother was was someone who got to the Premiership, and uh, was a damn good player, but he he wasn't ready aged eighteen, nineteen because he hadn't had that. So he went to the Bath Academy, did did quite well, but but came out of the system and went to Plymouth, went to Nottingham, and ended up back in the Premiership yeah. at Sale and London Irish. And there's a lot of guys, and I just that's one issue I have is these kids that aren't ready aged eighteen, nineteen because of the school they went to isn't a private school. And but I think that's so going to be the case. Anyway. Are, are you going to open up the gap? Well, I tell you what, Sale do. Right, and I'm only talking about Sale because this is because I know about them. I'm sure other clubs are doing the same thing, but I think this is probably the best way because you're never going to compete with the private schools. They've got all the. I mean, not only the fact that they've got awesome coaching and probably get ex internationals into it, and then they've got, they've got all their pals in the RFU that pick the kids for you know the higher level stuff again and the representative stuff. You're not necessarily going to compete with that, but the standard of coaching overall, I think, in England has risen dramatically. And what Sale do is they've got a program where they bring in 
uh, a load of coaches. Uh, it's like a, a like a development path for, for coaches. So they can replicate what Sale are doing. And that filters down from Sale all the way through all the local clubs, <laughs> right the way down to the junior clubs. Uh, I, I understand. I, if you produce a player that goes to play, play for Sale, they will then... Uh, pay you I think I think it's £10,000 mm. so there's like a really good financial incentive that, for clubs to push that, that, is, a good, that is a good yeah, initiative that's the, good the, the, the point I'm making is that not you know all not all kids aged 18 are equal through no fault of their own and actually but kids aged 25 could have equal opportunity to be premiership or international players but just the different pathway exists to get there. And Ed Slater is a guy that we could, you know, friend of the pod, we could get him on. He went the same route. He was second row at Nottingham with my brother. So was Callum Green, second row at Nottingham. Pretty tasty second row, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. They didn't have Ali Williams at the same time. Yeah, they did. They did have bloody <laughs> hell. So, uh, so, so, so on, on that yeah. point as well, the, the bit that does worry me long term is the reduction in money uh, as a way of attracting and retaining talent within the the overall game and retaining guys like your brother who at 18 weren't quite ready by the time they're 25 28 are ready but yeah only and because he could be paid to play rugby and precisely. get that conditioning and if there wasn't that money not big so, money so either so here's, here's a really important point on that so people who are talented athletes are normally not just talented at one thing they're normally got skills in multiple different areas including a a lot of the rugby players are bloody bright blokes. Yeah. So you you're not just saying, oh, they'll just go and drop down and play um, Sedgley Park or Fylde or Caldy or whatever it is. They'll go into either a totally different sport or go one. and do full time banking or law or what and like well, and not yeah. be involved. Or in the rugby all the, at all the, all. Or, or JB, you know, if they go amateur, like it's completely amateur outside the Premiership, as yeah. you're saying, they will not condi- They will never be conditioned as an elite athlete. Yeah. So, so you will never. If if if, if 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 my brother dropped out of the no. Bath Academy and went and played amateur rugby and got a job in the week, he would not have been a Premiership player. But that's of, just a fact. I kind of think of it like this. So, I think one of the highest level sports, as in the you know the professionalism and whatnot, is probably the NFL. And there is no professional American. Well, there is a small amount now, as in the XFL, Canadian leagues, whatever. But that's not where the talent is developed. Um, all the talent is developed from basically schools. And then amateur college things. And the colleges do train like pros. But when you're a young man, you don't need to go to work to, you know, pay for your mortgage. You've got till 21 to get into some yeah. decent shape. And uh, if you're part of a club... Slightly, dis- yeah. slightly disingenuous. To- that is a totally it, different system, though. It's a totally different system. And it's it's not fair to say they don't earn money. Yes, they don't earn money, but they get everything. They get free yeah. education and in America. And they're of 100,000 people. As an 18, what incentive do they, you need? They, uh, they, they, they get university for free. <laughs> All their accommodation, all their food, all everything paid for, and they I mean, they get to play in front of a hundred thousand people yeah, and, and yeah, go and fair, slay fair, fair, fair. it as a student. Yeah. <laughs> go and absolutely and, and they've slay got, it. Bad example. Right? They've got a lottery ticket as I, well. They've, they've got a good it, I will, chance. I would also put this right: if you are a bright bloke and you think your career is in banking, I don't think you're in the championship anyway. You're in the championship because you really, really want to be a professional a professional rugby player. Currently. And actually... Yes, currently. If, I mean, I know lads who have been offered the contracts at Doncaster, and um, they are... I mean, let's just say, you could live on it, but not very comfortable. Well, yeah. well there, there are but, other clubs. So London, London Scottish, for example, uh, I know that... Because um, Nick was head coach there last year. I know that they actually were recruiting people on the basis of listen we're going to do our sessions 
in yeah, the in the okay. evenings, early in the morning, so uh, so you can go and do a job. And if you need, by the way, if you need some contacts and some help to try and get get a contact a in, the city, in the city, we know yeah, lo- we know a load of guys. In, in in a lot of ways, I actually think it's more healthy for these lads to be told you are semi pro. This means go out, and make sure you've got a backup plan because the twenty five grand a year yeah. that we're going to pay you isn't enough. So to say you're going to be a full time pro on twenty five grand. Give up your life for travelling and whatnot just to get into a bit better shape. I don't actually think that's a good career or life choice unless you're super confident that you're going to get signed up by Gloucester. But or... the point, by the reduced funding, it's not going to be... So right now a lot of the contracts are somewhere between 10 and 25k. Yes, nothing. Um, it's not going to be that. It's going to be between 5 and 15k. And a lot of people will say, well, where I could live on 25k, I can't live on 12k, so I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I'm sure some people will do that. I would just counter by saying, if they didn't have the travel and they didn't have to give up a whole week, I mean, a lot, of, lot more people who do do not play yeah. at high, high level. Mike, back. I mean, you you gave up for work, right? Effectively, an injury. Uh, yeah, because I went because I went down to London working. But if Sedgley Park had a high level competition regionally, you might you might you might back if you didn't have to give up every weekend or every other weekend for uh, what two days travelling. I mean, I know the lads at RGC in Wales, right? They've got to do what. Oh, five five hours, hours every hours, other weekend. Every, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. nuts for next to no money, and that makes it a real young man's game as well. Because as soon as you get a family, you can't yeah. continue that, and that is my Un- unless you're kind of tr- almost trapped. Yeah, and I know an, a number of blokes who were trapped is maybe the wrong word, but who've got three kids who need who are not working an amazing job in their normal nine to five, and therefore need the extra five, quid a game five or grand or whatever it is a year that that it contributes. Yeah. So I, I don't. I'd like to see it regionalised, and I'd like to see the count. Do you know? What? I'd love to see county rugby mean something again. Yeah, because that'd be. I mean, that used to be the way through to England is you represented your county. Imagine um, everyone below Premiership being eligible for county and having these absolutely awesome games, which people <laughs> actually care about. I'd go and watch that. I think what we can agree on is that once again the RFU have not covered themselves in glory in the, uh, yeah. in the way oh. that they've gone about their business. Time it. Time I would is just awful. like to see. This is what I'd like to see. <laughs> I'd like to see. The people in charge of the championship get together, man, and realise that this is obviously not a great thing, but there is also an opportunity involved here. And I think they've got to make their league and their patch of rugby self-sustainable because what this will teach them is they cannot rely on the RFU again. And that is the best way to do it. So no matter what the RFU do in the future, you know that you've got a sustainable sport and that's only fair for all the fans and all the players and and everyone else. Well, that that, that is a good lesson. You're going to go to premiership clubs and say that as well? No, because it's different, isn't it? Because of the rich owners. Yeah, but the, but these the, these these championship clubs. The one thing you that we haven't even mentioned in this, these championship clubs have been told one of the objectives is to be ambitious enough to try and be promoted. So you, I think there's a genuine potential a law case if you've sunk a, if if they ring fence and I think this is what the I, I, I've only just popped, this has only just popped into my head. But I wonder if the RFU are trying to like death by a thousand cuts. But not actually be, uh, not actually get a lawsuit handed to them because they've lit, they've physically shut the door. If if they shut the shut the door and ring fence, formally ring fence, formally ring fence, uh, then what they're actually doing is saying, oh yeah, we told you we wanted that, and you've invested loads of money. So, so rather than a lawsuit coming our way, we'll just make it harder and harder and make the gap bigger and bigger, so that when we do eventually ring fence, no one can have any complaints. Yeah. Well, let me let's just transition this a little bit and go on to something slightly different because it will go on to our Premiership chat, which is you know the idea of um, the idea of of relegation is looking more and more ridiculous. 
because you know uh, Newcastle are, uh, are running away with it. Every team that comes down eventually goes back up. You know, it's sort of pointless. On the other hand, if we didn't have the Championship or somewhere for that Premiership team to go down to, as we're finding out with the Premiership this year, the Premiership's awful. I mean, without relegation, it is legitimately awful. We're looking at Pro, Pro 14. 14. Yeah. I mean, not that the Pro 14 is awful. I'm not saying that, but well, it's the bottom. It's the top half will always be interesting because you're playing for yeah. playoff places. But the bottom, the half, bottom is, half, yeah. Like London Irish got a great win. Yeah. And ordinarily against Harlequins, which, which again they really, I said, I said last week yeah. in the podcast, if there's a game London Irish want to win, yeah, every year, yeah, yeah. is this one they will be going big, big time for it. And they got a win, and that will so that will mean a lot to every London Irish fan. But I could quite understand a fan of anyone but a London Irish fan going. I don't really. Yeah. I did not even looking at what the result is because it means nothing. Yeah, yeah I, and I've that's never... disappointing because this would have been the best relegation season. It's right that Saracens get relegated and all the rest of it. But two teams should go. This could this could have been. I I can actually get on board with that because that would make me excited about London Irish beating um, Harlequins or. Leicester grinding out a win in an awful game against Wasps. That actually has meaning this season. And then season. Ealing coming up. So, you know, that, that's quite an exciting story. Instead, we're just going to have the Newcastle coming up. And, well, that will be that. It's back to, back to normal. normal. So, I can't really... For all my chat about, I'd like to say, a regional championship, which is um, amateur or the rest of it, you couldn't put Newcastle into the the Northeast Regional League and expect <laughs> it to work. <laughs> so I don't know how you square that circle because we yeah. absolutely one hundred percent need relegation. I, oh, I think this story will bubble away, so we'll have a chance to come back to, to it. Bring fence in the two, which was mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Lawrence Delalio. Bottom of the second still has your zebras and dragons in it. It the, does. The, the equivalent, you're, right? You're right. Uh, unless you're going to fund them all to a significant level. But then that's a huge amount of money, and you, RFU you well simply fund everyone else. In the, you R- may as well just have one league then, and that's as RFU simply do not have uh, infinite money. I get it; they're cutting their cloth. Um, it's the way they've done it. The, the way timing. they've done it is the timing. Is bad. Is. So for that, for, because of the timing, we're going to hear more about this, uh, and I think there will be more fallout. And um, I yeah. still, I still back my my original plan of the set out club. So, so we can ring fence Naughty and have relegation. Yeah. yeah. You have 13 teams, one team every year doesn't play. They've got to make their own fixtures. Um, oh, we, we did get some uh, one suggestion. I'm not going to be able to find it to give the person credit on, on Twitter, but someone did reply and say what could happen is there could be like a draft for the players from the sit- from the losing club Ooh. for the next season. So Newcastle went down last year and then second bottom get to pick uh, Mark Wilson. But then what happens when? And then third bottom get then get to pick another Newcastle Lord player and Kibberig. They will pick happens, a couple of players right? for the Sonotti, season. Sonotti. But what happens when that team comes back? They're going to need their players back, right? Yeah, so they get yeah. their players back. So then the players keep playing. Oh, I see. But the, but the club has the shame of like, like you just have tumbleweed yeah. across Kingston Park. <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, it'd be like Gatland when he does the Lions. He gets to learn about how all the England players train and uh, I guess the inside knowledge. Well, so you have all these scouts going out. I think a bit more like Japan. Right. Imagine if you had Eddie Jones in your club for twelve months with nothing to do. He or Jonathan in. Joseph. Jonathan Not, Joseph. Uh, Jamie Joseph. Either. Yeah, Jamie Joseph. All they're doing is <laughs> or Jonathan conditioning. Joseph. You know, it's a grim year. It's brutal for the players. But when that team comes back to the Premiership, the skill levels, God, off they, the chart. Yeah, and it's cheaper to fund that one on the naughty step 
than it is to fund the entire championship. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. a lot cheaper. <laughs> well, to the Premiership then. And uh, Steve Parrott on Twitter, friend of the pod, has said four penalties and two conversions in horrible conditions at King's Home. Does the boy Steenson have a future? So who is this? Is this a young academy lad coming through? Yeah, young yeah. Englishman, I think. Young Englishman. Oh, Englishman. Yeah, Gareth Steenson, young Englishman, definitely. EPQ. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, young, well, talented well, lad. What did I say? EP. EQP EQP whatever that one (laughs) so yeah uh, what's happened to Gloucester and Northampton are just shooting themselves in the foot they're blowing it did you watch that game on Friday night yeah yeah it was Gloucester it was was pretty grim conditions line outs as they did all weekend massively struggle but Gloucester that 15-20 minute period in the second half where they just gave away four or five brain dead penalties at rook time and it was the same thing. There'd be one man lying all over the ball, one guy who's making a half attempt to go for it, but it is on his feet. But you just can't do it. And mm. they got pinged time and time again. And this young, this young talented Englishman, Gareth Steenson, slots penalty after penalty. He's cool, isn't he, Gareth and Steenson? And following on really from the cool. conversation of, uh, from last weekend, and we saw a bit more of it this weekend with some of the games, Take the in particularly in bad conditions. Take, take the, the bloody points. Yeah, just take the points. Nothing yeah. annoys me more than not taking points. Uh, Who do they think they are? In bad, <laughs> take condi- your points. In bad conditions as well. Every in bad every conditions. point matters. And I think there you go. There's a perfect example. E- Exeter recognised bad conditions. We're going to take every point we can. Yeah, yeah. Play percentages normal because they're the team that have pioneered kicking to the corner rather than going for posts. Yeah, and was it not for that stupidity of Gloucester in that 15, 20 minute period just after half time? Their last 15-20 minute period, when they made the changes and they brought Freddie Clark on and they brought uh, Paledri on and their heavy reinforcements, they could have won the game. Had they not found themselves so many points down? Gloucester have got two things, haven't they? They've got big ball carriers, Yeah, but they basically operate on their own. You know, If Paledri goes through, (laughs) it's not because of some clever scheme, it's because Paledri is really... His yards after contact are ridiculous. He just throws wannabe tacklers off him left, right and centre. Brilliant. Then they've got the Cipriani Atkinson thing, which is class, but... Well, that... So Atkinson didn't start this week. No. No, The reason being is because Cipriani's kicking's been so bad that Billy Twelve Trees has had to... Yeah, had to start. Yeah. But the twelve three Cipriani axis doesn't work anywhere near as well as the Atkinson no. Sippers ac- axis. No, and it, so I, I think mean, Billy Sippers... might have to go back to thirteen. Oh, but then that's, but that's well, that, that was that was last year. It was <coughs> Sippers Atkinson. But it's not good Billy. enough. Yeah, it's it not seems good enough. To, Chris Harris seems to have messed things up a little, little bit. Like like Tino Aspria when yeah. he went to Newcastle. What, what, one thing too many <laughs> in a way. Um, because he plays differently to everyone else. He's a bit bigger, <coughs> a bit more abrasive. They, a bit more they, direct. Yeah. Whereas I think of the Newca- Newcastle... God, God. Gloucester. Gloucester backline. I think everyone's got a bit of X Factor there. He doesn't have X Factor, but he's a little bit more reliable. And he doesn't wear long cycling shorts. No, and he just gets on with it. Um, well, but what, the other thing is I think teams kind of know what's going to happen now. So what, what Gloucester actually need is a another kicker. So not Billy Twelve Trees, not Cipriani... Uh, either a French scrum half, yes, or get Greg Greg Laidlaw back. But no, I don't think that's going to work. I think that's a different. Diff- or song. Lee Halfpenny. But I tell you, who can kick? Who they don't have kicking? Uh, Woodward. Can he? Yeah, he, he kicked his way nearly to keeping Bristol up. He did kick for Bristol. He kicked for Bristol and, and the Hurricanes. But uh, Warren Mullis, our mate Warren from the American How are you, Rugby Warren? Podcast. Uh, Warren, over we need to have some beers with Warren. We do soon. soon. Well, uh, Atlanta have got a major league rugby team. We should go and stay with Warren. 
Well, yeah. Well, if, when the Jabronis play? Gil, 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 oh, the Austin Jilbronis. Jilbro- what, no, Gilgronis. Gilgronis. Jabronis. Jabronis. Open a can of whoop-ass, Jabronis. By the way, the Jabronis lost. Don't swing on my antique chairs. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> the Jill, the, the Gil Gilgronis. Yeah. Um, oh, did anyone see the hit from, I think it was a Gilgronis It was a Gilgronis flanker on Bastero. Bastero. Oh, good. Stopped he got dead. ended. By the way, <laughs> The New York kit is good in principle, isn't it? It looks horrible. <laughs> on. Looks... I like it. It's like a baseball jersey. Ah, I, I like it. I, I like the when ambition. The, the it's completely thin different. pinstripe. If you're in great shape, looks brilliant. <laughs> Stretched out over Bastero's current yeah, New York. So many, rig. Of the, so many of the people. Who, like contour lines so many, <laughs> so many of the people who this weekend have been saying be kind and stuff were absolutely savaging Bastero yeah. for his Ooh. body shape last week. Yeah, I, I like Bastero. the kit. So unusual. That yeah. might stick. I like but, it. Uh, anyway, Warren yeah. Morris says, with the weekend's results, is it officially time to say it's Gloucester's year next year? I think Gloucester's year is next year. I think. I think. I think we can formally agree next year for Gloucester. Yeah, they've got to get two more signings. Maybe they've got to get someone who kicks who is not Danny Cipriani and know, not Billy Tolltree. If they just came out one day, like just trotted out on support with with Cipriani, like the whole gap. And they just played one out rugby for the entire game. They would win by about fifty points because no one would expect it. <laughs> They've all been conditioned for the yeah. security. Ben Mor- <clears throat> phase one, Ben Morgan. Phase two, yeah, Jake Paledri. Round the phase corner. Three. Phase three, Moston. Ackerman. Ackerman. Yeah. yeah. Keep yeah. going. Fifty points, and then go back to Cipriani thing. Yeah. Mm. Good win. That was a good win for Exeter. That was. In tough condition. And Hog. That that try by Hog. Oh, that was class. It was absolutely class. He Fred, seems to be worth his money. He, he's for Exeter. <laughs> well, they're making him play. Yeah, they, they're getting to, the, they're getting their money out of him. You have to when you sign that deal for that amount yeah. of money. I, 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 I assume it's a lot of money. I it, don't know. It will be rumoured yeah. half a mil. Won't yeah. quite be Finn, Finn Russell money, but it would be good money. Yeah. You don't have the option of having internationals off. But he that for him and for Scotland will be really important. That try, that one try, for practicing putting it down. Yeah, just get it over the line. But it's, it's a break from his own twenty-two. Mm. Freddie Clark. Oh, that that's a a lesson for the Gloucester defensive line. I think he had um, who did he have inside him? He had a, a prop inside him. I think Moster outside him, but he shot out of the line on Hog, and Hog just says thank you, skip, accelerate round the outside. He's one big... two with Simmons. No, I don't. I've I've actually met Stuart, Stuart Hog, um, and he's a surprisingly big. I don't know what his um, stats, stats are. are. Let's have a look. He's a surprisingly like hefty man. Mm. Big he's hands quite as well. thick set, isn't he? Not as big. Not his hands aren't quite as chunky as um, Quay Cooper's. Who's got enormous hands? So what? What do you reckon? Height and weight. Five, ten, and fifteen stones, something like that. Tim, any advance? Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't been listening. I don't know who we're talking about. Stuart Hogg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stuart Hogg. Uh, five, nine, and I'll go for 13 stone, nine. Uh, JB closer. So 5'11 five, listed and 93 kg, which is 40, just over 14 and a half stone. That's hefty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he is. <clears throat> he is quite thick set, so isn't he? He actually stopped me in the... Um, I was, thick two Cs. Yeah, I was having a <laughs> tour around the Glasgow training yeah. complex, which is really, really cool. 
actually. And he stopped me in the um, he stopped me in the things. And hi, I'm Stuart. Which uh, so you know, that's what he does. <laughs> hi, JB. I'm Stuart. He did not. He did not know. Who I was. <laughs> <laughs> not like Sam Underhill. Sam Underhill knew. knew. Uh, he's a good lad. Well, another team who sort of have got a fair bit of stick, but find themselves in a really good position is Bath. Yeah. Who's laughing now? Not me. Yeah. It, it's a uh, globally significant position as well, I'd like to say. <laughs> I would say it's globally significant, yeah. Um, yeah, good stuff. I, I didn't think this team was any good. I'm still wondering if, if they are any good. I mean, actually, I genuinely do think that because... You get Anthony Watson, Joe Thucker, the singer, um, Jonathan, Jonathan Joseph, Joseph back yeah. in, the, in that back line. Sam Underhill in the forwards... Yeah, don't give me uh, and Falatau. Don't give me uh, Tom Dunn. They've always had good players, so let's not just list the players because yeah. they've always had. No, no, but they're, they're performing well, and they've been performing well without yeah. without a fair few top players. I just, I just don't know if any team in the top four at the moment are any good, with the exception of Exeter. Exeter. I mean, they all are. They're basically all the same. They're all the same. Uh, and Bristol, I love Pat Lamb's. Pat Lamb must have been special for him and Bruce Rayana going back to. Northampton. Of course, they both. Were, and they? Uh, but when when Pat Lamb picked up the microphone and went to celebrate uh, the comeback victory around the BT Sport desk, it, he just kept going, awful, awful, awful. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> he wasn't happy with uh, Bristol's performance, but they showed a bit of grit. But how did Northampton throw that one away? That's that's the question. Yeah, is Northampton losing it from that position as well? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to Bristol, they you know they kept in the fights. Uh, Northampton had the one try, and after that, they they didn't look look particularly dangerous. But they were they were fourteen points up, weren't they, at home, yeah. after whatever it was, fifty odd sixty minutes. That's the to lose those games. Chris Vuey nearly scored two tries. I cannot believe it. <laughs> Not, by the way, he's in my fantasy team, so that'll be. You quite... managed to sneak a win anyway somehow with a rubbish score. You still managed to sneak a win. You're so. St- Sneaky, sneaky, yeah. professional, mate. Professional, professional. Um, grind it out. Good teams are teams that win when they're not playing well. Yeah, you know, and that's what that's what me and the boys well, did well, this here, season. Here's here's a question that I think is a good one to throw at Saints from uh, Mark Spinky twenty two on Twitter. Can Northampton Saints seriously challenge with a scrum that is dominated most weeks? Lots of money spent on the Franks brothers for a scrum that goes backwards. Do you know, it's funny you say that. I don't know if I said this the other day, but um, talking to some players after playing Northampton. They said the same same thing. The way that Northampton, Northampton scrummage, it feels like they've um, they do certain things which indicate to professional props that they're not very confident with, uh, with their scrum. Okay, which I think it's a fascinating insight. I'd love to know what those things are. No, well, not that they really mean anything to me, but well, I mean, I don't even I play front row and I don't really understand what yeah. what was said. But allegedly, when they when they when they bind, they don't give any ground. So, you know, sometimes you bind and then you give a bit of ground and settle down. Yeah. They bind and they stay engaged as, as hard as they can because they don't have any confidence in, in going forward. Now, it didn't really make much sense to me, but I'm literally just repeating verbatim yeah. uh, what, was, what was said. But it's interesting that the, that, the, that the opposition props noticed that. Curious. Yes, intriguing. <laughs> um, but Chris Boyd won Super Rugby without really bothering with the scrum. So, And he does think about the, sum, uh, the scrum as purely a restart. Well, he's wrong on that. Not as a penalty-winning machine, but you have to be able to do better than uh, they are doing. If it's a penalty-conceding conceding machine, machine, then it's yeah, a yeah. big problem. Well, it's proven that way. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, elsewhere it, is so it is interesting, isn't it, the amount of money they've sunk into that front row. It's, it's not a cheap front row. Well, the Franks brothers, particularly Owen Franks, yeah. who um, 
is is or certainly was for the last ten years arguably the best tight end in the world. Well, I've always thought about Owen Franks. One of the more impressive things that I've seen from him is getting absolutely battered in the scrum, but not conceding a penalty. penalty. I think that is like the ultimate front row skill is getting absolutely hammered and not conceding the penalty. There was one game, I can't remember which one it was. There was one game where um, the referee just did not want to get... The, the scrum just totally, totally disintegrated and the ref did not want to give a penalty and just put his hands up. And like the, the ball's still in. Well, the ball's kind of still in. No <laughs> players are bound. It's like just the front rows are, are bound. Well, and everyone's looking at each game? other. No, it was this weekend. What game was Craig Maxwell Keys reffing? Was that the Friday night game? Or was it Possibly. Saturday's game? I've watched too much rugby. Yeah. Um, I can't remember either. But he just, he just kind of, play on, lads. No one's bound. Well, play on. Was he at Bristol? No, I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday's game. Because Saturday was... Carl Dixon and yes. yeah, let's talk about that one at Welford Road. Was again, don't care, I don't care. I'm sorry, there's nothing. What's riding on this? I mean, I well, guess... there is an argument that, that there's only ten points from fourth to Leicester. Yeah, and that's the only real relevance, isn't there? That everyone is basically the same, but there's no jeopardy. I know there is no jeopardy. I mean, this committed, is a game, committed to, game, yeah, and you want these teams to be building something, as in putting performances together, because everyone's got an eye on next year. So you're going to be trying combinations that are going to work for next year. Um, in this game, neither team is really going to learn anything about any of the combinations they tried, because nope. the conditions were absolutely awful. Neither team could restart the game. The lineouts were all over the place, from both teams. Like Neither team were, were doing anything good. But particularly, Wasp had a bad time of it, a lineout. Poor Tommy Taylor. Yeah. And somebody say that. Has he played many games back this season? Uh, he's, no, he's, he's been injured for a long time. Eh? Rob Webber's retired. He has. Which is, by the way, huge news. Um, <laughs> and maybe they need another hooker. Maybe. Maybe. Well, they've got the... Prodigal well, son returns. I think they've sunk a chunk of money into... What, I, Go on. Go on, I'm listening. No, they've ch- chucked a, uh, They've sunk a chunk of money into the angry warthog, warthog. Acker. and I'm sure there's another South African hooker they could bring over there'll be a few more there'll be I'm sure the powers that be will have their eyes on someone I'm, I'm, certain there's a, I'm pretty certain that there's a new prop that's on his way at um, least one at, yeah at least one um, <laughs> what were we talking about then uh, wasps oh, and yeah, against Taylor, Leicester sale. That'd, that'd be a nice fit do you think yeah but I, I hope he stays at wasps um, his, his blonde hair goes well with that yellow does go well with that yellow <laughs> But uh, yeah, but fair play. Leicester without all their England boys dug in. They did showed a bit of dog. Yeah, Tom Hardwick had a tough old game. He did. He had a few wayward passes, um, a few missed kicks, um, both for touch. And I can. But you, but but Hogg scored had a defining moment for Exeter. Vianu had a defining moment for Leicester. He did on the back of the Umaga mistake. Yes. The two tens who were in terrible conditions under the pump, and yeah. He picked up and dealt with it nicely. Do you think there's an argument to say it's really, really difficult to be a backup for an amazing 10? Oh, the, the drop-off from Ford to yeah. Hardwick this week. I've not seen a huge amount of Hardwick. Um, the drop-off this week. No, no practice time. 
nobody really cares about what he thinks. So it's all about like... You know, if it's <laughs> Just do what, what George Ford would do in yeah, this if position. If George Ford thinks this is a good thing for George Ford to do, George Ford... And that's exactly how it should be for the record. Yeah. So Tom Hardwick has literally no input into how this is going to go the down. The patterns, the plays, yeah. the shape. Which probably George Ford has designed to yeah. a certain degree with his coaches. But George Ford has designed based on George Ford's <laughs> skill set, <laughs> yeah. which very few people have. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tom, you... You're up. You're running this. Off you go, mate. Good luck. Oh, and by the way, it's 50 mile an hour winds. Yeah. And it's going to be pouring down for the whole game. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Tom Hardwick's a much better player than... Um, <laughs> the, I am absolutely certain he's a better player yeah, than And if you think game. about it, you know, providing George Ford stays fit, the only time Tom Hardwick gets any game time is between November and February. Yeah. Because actually, George Ford is a... Do you know George Ford is the most capped player by Eddie Jones? Yeah, I saw that. That's amazing, isn't he's it? He's played in... 50, 50, 50, 50 51. Of, yeah, or 50, yeah. He's playing that's pretty a, much every game. Good innings. Mm, that's, yeah, that is. Very good innings. And he's a been, few of those up from the amazing. bench. Yeah. But fewer than you'd think, actually. Because the majority of the time has been Ford and Farrell as the axis. Just to disprove my point, um, <laughs> Manu Vinopola. Yeah. The drop-off from, from Owen Farrell to him should be substantial. But actually, he does all right. No, he he's doing okay. The drop-off for the whole of the Saracens first team to the second team you would have thought would be bigger than Sale made yes, it look yes Walter C. Ladwig third on <laughs> Twitter is uh, says lads <laughs> at Rugby Podcast what should we conclude from the fact that the Saracens B team easily dismantled what was the number three team in the league they are still on the number three team in the league thank you very much not that are I they? care but still. the neutrals um, that is important is it now, is they, it are, they are still of Bristol leapfrog Bath then no but Bristol aren't even top four Bristol are fourth. Oh, are they? Oh, Bristol have overtaken Bath. Bath. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I, yeah. <laughs> As a, what would a neutral say about it? I think a neutral would be disappointed. I think uh, many neutrals would be very, very disappointed. They'd, they would wonder what on earth we were doing. Uh, they were doing. They were the, the neutrals were doing, uh, taking down a full team and somehow losing to Saracens. But Sale have got to start winning. Uh, have got to start winning on the road. Yeah, to I be a force. So. I, I mean, I would like. I to mean, they're doing, they're doing very well, and the league is really open, and teams are beating everyone else. So, a lot of teams win lose away from me. home. I get it, but particularly they put out. If you're going to beat Saracens, this was the weekend to yeah. beat Saracens. Strikes me, well, yeah. actually, last week wasn't it? The weekend to beat Saracens. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean that that was a full team versus a C team, or yeah. not even a C team for Saracens. Um, I would suggest that how Sale are playing right now would not cut top four or even indeed top six last year or the year before. This league has evened out to such an extent now that you know I said at the start of the well a few minutes ago I don't think any any of the top four are good except for Exeter. Exeter are a hundred million miles ahead of everyone else, and Exeter are not playing their best rugby this season as well. No, and it's you're right. It, Salary cap makes for a much much better. Much overall even. competition for the teams that adhere to it yeah and for the teams that adhere to it and when there's relegation but actually um, the quality it, o- overall on aggregate I don't know if it's the quality I don't know if the quality's gone down it's just so competitive it's so hard yeah. to be dominant every yeah. week yeah yeah, yeah so, that, that's the difficulty isn't yeah. it and so, you, you get teams seem to get on a run they'll have two or three really good performances Northampton say earlier on in the season and then, and now Bristol have had a couple of great wins, but they had a few great wins, then a few surprising losses, and then a few more great wins. Mm. Yeah, if you can deal with sales physicality, 
you can beat them, and mm. I think that's probably what probably what happened. Once he got hold of the hold of the Dupriers, I, I was I was thinking for start to click a couple of a few weeks back. When they do click, they're going to be. I a, think I think the coach hasn't quite caught up yet with the fact that everyone's equal. Everyone's just trying to do their own thing, and I think you need to react a lot more to what the opposition are, are, are doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, probably. And on the flip yeah. side, as mu- I'll think, go with it. And on Give the flip it, yeah. side, I would also point out when you look at that Saracens team, the one thing that everyone's been very quick to say, and I understand it, and it's rightly so, they they broke the, the laws and all that, but everyone's been quick to go, oh, they just bought their way nope. to the titles. Not no, I, this weekend is an example yeah, of how yeah. good the Saracens coaching is. Um, interesting, intriguing. Um, Saracens are, are recruiting again. Yeah. Championship players. Championship players are going hard on good championship players. Yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I do, I admire Saracens so much. Like they're already sort of scoping out how are we how are we going to do this how are we going to do it to the best of our ability. Apparently, uh, Jinx Ala Daily um, Coffee Shop is yeah. going to be open for business in Saint Albans because yeah. Jamie George and Elliot Daly are two players that it's thought are going to st- stick, stick around. around. Ben Earl rumored to be going to Bristol for a, for a season loan. A loan, and that decent. so Ben Earl is exactly the type of player who needs to be playing back in the Premiership. So. Uh, Jamie George, Itoji, Farrell. They could actually benefit from not being there. Exactly. In a Lions year, they will benefit from having less wear and tear. They'll play 10, 12 England games, half a dozen Lions games, and maybe four championship games. I would like... Yeah. Guys like Ben Earl, yeah. they need... Because they're yeah. just... They're the step away from it. If they want to be playing for England, they've got to be playing for Yeah, Lazowski is the kind of guy right on the... He needs to be he, back, back in the Prem. He needs to be back in the That's Prem. Why get Someone up. like Singleton has to be back in the Prem. Someone like Ezekwe, um or Kapoka, if they've got like, the ambition now, of playing top level. Maybe maybe Singleton to Sale might be the, be, be the answer. As a hook, yeah. I would I'll tell you what, from... The- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This game, uh, Wollstonecroft. He had a great game. Yeah, he did. Hooker. He did play very well. Maybe Sale resign uh, Chris. Stop um, talking about Sale. Uh, <laughs> uh, sale sided hookers. You're obsessed. I, I like I, I like talking about front rows. <laughs> you do. There you go. Um, yeah, I, just an enormous amount of respect for Saracens. I mean, to actually get themselves up for this. I mean, that, that that it speaks volumes, doesn't it, about that camp? That despite everything that's gone on, despite all the England players going, despite getting beat by the exact same team last week, 
Despite it, another fine hitting them. Yeah, they pulled another, themselves another 50 grand last week. Yeah. And that isn't, by the way, that's not a team that, that has breached the salary cap. That is just a team of good individuals that pulled together and, and won a game. And it's it's awesome to see. And, and irre- Actually, irrelevant. That team is probably, if you yeah. said, if you gave the salaries of the players who were on the, that pitch, the 23s, mm. that Saracen team will be probably significantly lower than that sale team. Oh, yeah. miles, lo- miles lower. Part, yeah. and, and, and even allowing for the salary, putting that to one side still to find the sense of purpose and meaning that that Saracen squad are managing to find to draw out performances like that and get togetherness like that is quite, I, th- I think it's remarkable. It is. Because I, I, they are better people than me because I would have thrown every game. I'd like, <laughs> no, I remember, screw you all. I remember listening to you. Yeah. I think it was while I was away and you are like, no, I just wouldn't, I'm not going to fulfill any of the fixtures yeah, if I, that's I, me. Do you know what? I don't think I would. Toys <laughs> out of the pram. <laughs> uh, you I would, I, do you know what? I'd call it off, uh, off last minute too. <laughs> like, I'd make them travel and then I'd call it off. Like, no, yeah, we just don't have the players. Sorry about that. Sorry, lads. Sorry, can't do it. <laughs> I would be so... Uh, Nigel Ray, for all the alleged things he's done wrong, is a remarkably no, patient well, character. I will. I will say for all the things he has done wrong, not allegedly. For all the things yeah. the club has done yes, wrong. Okay. Okay. For all the, because yeah. I know some, some people seem to. Every time we praise some of the stuff that Saracens do, some people seem to think that we praise everything that they do. Yeah. They There's were, no way. No. no they I'm were, saying they I'm were saying, morons. They were stupid, yeah. and it was bloody but, dodgy. But if I, Bristol do get Ben Earl, then Semi Radrada, Charles Pietau, Harry Thacker, Nathan Hughes. Ben Earl in the same team. That's... Do you know something I like? And we're, like talking, we're talking I like contenders. Signing yeah. that, signing that, that, that I like. And it's not been spoken about that much, but Mitch Eady going back to Bristol, I think, is a nice signing. Because when he was playing really well at Bristol, he was ace. Yeah, and I've not seen enough of him. He's a, he's, he's, to use your phrase, not mine, he's a concussion boy. Is he? He's a pure concussion <laughs> game, boy. Game well, no, changer. He's, he's, game he's changer. A, it's, it's a romantic tale going back to your hometown. He was uh, and good. Being in the squad. Yeah, but he's not going to be starting for them. They've got Nathan Hughes and, and Ben, ben Earl. Earl and yeah, Tua. And Tua. That's a pretty nice. But he's a good group. guy, and I like I like guys going back home. But like not that. Tommy Taylor, no. <laughs> if he wants to go back, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> up right, for that. I like Tommy Taylor. Tommy Taylor and Cruz. Back I just home, feel yeah. sorry for. Di- I don't want everyone to leave Wasps still. All their good players. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, right. Um, oh, Ben White try saving tackle. A few people have mentioned. Didn't see it. Was it good? So I assume that was in the. Second. I watched the whole of the first half. Really, um, I was really interested and involved in that, but it was terrible. And then a Le- an actual Leicester Tigers fan came round to watch the second half with me, and we ended up chatting and not watching any of the game or, or very little of the game other than well, the Vian- me, Vianu right? try. You're not a Leicester Tigers fan. Fine. <laughs> You were a Bath and Sail and Leicester fan I'm, in, I'm in the Bath past. Admirer. I'm, I'm and an extra Bath admirer. admirer. An Exeter, yes, sorry. No, Bath and Exeter. I'm, I'm and a Nigel Ray admirer. I'm in, I'm in neutral, as you all know. <laughs> um, here's a question that I was thinking about while I was away. I've re- reminded myself by uh, thinking about you doing the podcast without me. <laughs> so, Johnny Gray was. Was he formally announced as Exeter or was it just a rumour? Yes, no, it's formally, formally announced. So, is there a player who is. As big a name or bigger, but less exciting than Johnny Gray. That's a great question. That is a great question. I think you'd need to look in the world. So if, if you're going to go so to the not, from one high to profile, boring. Correct. Exactly that. Like Vincent Cock. Vincent Cock's more exciting in my mind. For what reason? Um, I've, seen, mean, him, any, I've any, seen him topless. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not saying he's boring, but like props, I'd, I'd be looking. Well, at. so the one in my head that I got to was Dan Cole. Who I think is yes. a slightly yeah. bigger name, and 
less exciting. Exceptionally dull. Yeah. As a signing. You couldn't get excited about that. No. Um, oh, no, we're going to give even more penalties away. Can you, imagine, can you imagine the signing unveiling video someone would do? For that, <laughs> like spoofing a movie or something, <laughs> he's quite a funny. He seems quite funny. Oh, he's and a dry, funny, he is a very dry, very human, dry, funny bloke. His stuff with Joe Marler on the World Cup camp. Oh, Joe Marler, that's reminding me. And um, he would not be in the category, but he has a bigger name. Uh, he's, I'd, I'd say, he's more exciting than uh, Johnny Gray. So I'll, I'll answer your question first, and then I'll come back to Joe Marler. Um, maybe his brother. Maybe his brother can, can carry a bit. Yeah, he's. he's Richie is more exciting in my mind. Bigger name, bigger name. I'm trying. I'm going round thinking of like just Brad Shields, dull six. I was, I was thinking of six. I was thinking. Brad can Shields I think of won six? Super Rugby with my beloved Hurricanes. Yeah, but have you seen him play? It's yeah. not. It's not exciting, is it? He's, He's a Super Rugby lot. player. I can't Captain Bowden Barrett to win in Super Rugby. Uh, Chris Robshaw. If Chris Robshaw moved to your club, <laughs> that wouldn't be super exciting, would it? Um, he's a bigger name, England captain. I say he's slightly more exciting. He so he's turn, a bigger he name and slightly work. more there you exciting. Go. That's a challenge. That rugby podcast. Who who would be a bigger name but less, but ex- less exciting than Johnny? Yeah, yeah just Johnny a guy Ray. that hits rocks continually. Do you know who would be the all time most boring player? As a player, not as a human being. And the biggest name. The biggest name. Be Martin, Martin Johnson. Johnson. The, the most. Yeah. The most boring. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't want the ball. But then he's so he's got like the off-field leadership stuff, which is quite exciting. Which is very exciting. Yeah, but so is Johnny Gray, hasn't he? Uh, mm. Why is he not captain? Good point. Uh, is he not? I've thought he's had captain Scotland or something. Hogs captain. Yeah. Which is because there's not many fullbacks who play as captain because you're so far away from the action for a lot of the time. Just mm. after a thirty-meter sprint, shuttle sprint to go and. Neither the ref. In fact, in fact, that that would be the solution for rugby: make every captain automatically the fullback. Fullback, and all, and all the all the back chat to the ref. No one stop. else can talk to him. You got to run thirty yards, and if you're if you're fullback, oh, yeah, is it ever, necessary? Oh yeah, and then he's got to run. Got the ever persuasive Lee Halfpenny, the ever talkative Lee Halfpenny. No thanks. Uh, um, right, uh, yeah, Joe Marler. Um, so it was brought to my attention. Um, I'm going to name drop actually by Charlie Morgan. That there is a documentary about a game. Is, it, is anyone aware of this? Oh, on Newsround. Yeah, BBC Newsround. News yeah. By the way, isn't Newsround for kids? Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, this isn't for kids. I can tell you right now, this is not for kids. Uh, well, is... like, kid, not talking like your kids, talking like my kids. I don't think it's for your kids, frankly. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... What's going on? So, um... And by that, by the, if, if you're wondering, I'm, I'm not, that's not a slight on JB's kids. He just has very small children. <laughs> yeah. I have slightly larger children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, they've not got hor- like horrible learning, dis- um, like, <laughs> you know, not horrible special needs or anything. They could understand it if they were the right age. Um, not your kids, David. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a heritable trait. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Um, yeah, so the BBC have made a documentary about Harlequins. Can we make a note of this? JB compliments BBC shocker. Yeah. yeah well, this is a, this is a rarity this one. So the thing itself I really enjoyed. So I recommend everyone everyone go and watch it. The problem is you'll never ever find it. So what would you do if you wanted to watch a BBC a BBC documentary about Harlequins rugby team? What would you search for? I'd I'd go to iPlayer yeah, and good. type Harlequins. Correct. Okay, it doesn't come up. What else would uh, uh, would you say? Rugby. On? Yeah, you would. No, none of those things will get the, the Harlequins documentary as a search result. 
Neither Harlequins nor rugby appears in the title of the show. So <laughs> good luck with that. It's called tries. You've got to type in tries or something. Um, I can't remember exactly, exactly what it's called. But it's really, really good. It's a proper behind the scenes. Um, how long, how long is it? About 45 minutes. Oh, wow. It goes from pre-season and all the England boys are away all the way through to big game 26 or whatever on now. Uh, and then, obviously, the Saracen Salary Cup stuff breaks um, in the middle of it. Now, there is an element of we all know what Joe Marler thinks anyway, and we all know what Danny Kerr thinks anyway, but they're very, very candid about its camera. Uh, it's just really... I, I just go and watch it. It's a really, really good... Cool, cool. Uh, good heads up. Now, yeah. I'd also recommend Nar- Narcos Season 2. Really good. I'm yeah. sm- smashing my way <laughs> through it. Can I just say, the reason I'm so shocked it's a neutral thing is the amount of swearing involved is enormous. Really? Yeah, it's enormous. It's just pure swearing, and it's drinking, and there's beer spraying everywhere. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a it's a bloody good doc. But it's definitely not news round, that's for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, it is news round, isn't it? This is for kids. I'm sure so. that, that's what I had in my head. I think I've seen like a tweet or two for yeah, it. The only criticism I'll have of it is... Not the, the swearing or drinking for kids. No, it was... No, more of that, please. Yeah, it was three... <laughs> Three questions about mental health because we have to talk about it, don't we? We have to talk about it. Um, and then the sort of implicit sort of, oh, it's very macho, isn't it? As if that, that isn't the dance we like it. So, oh, it's very alpha, it's very macho, isn't it? Does that have a problem with mental health? No, it doesn't move on. Um, they wouldn't have, they probably wouldn't have got the funding unless they agreed to include that. Yeah, it's got to have some work. Got greenlit. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, they've used, they've used, <laughs> have they used one of their phrases? Yes, brilliant. Yes, You've you got can have the really money. enjoyable thing and it stand on its own two feet? Yes, in terms of enjoyment, but not wordiness. Right, throw that in. Um, <laughs> and the other great takeaway from this the standard of food in Harlequins looks bloody brilliant. Oh, I've seen some of the stuff. From Quinn's, I think Wasps have got a super. She has some of the bath stuff. Yeah, the, I've been at London Irish's training ground uh, filming a rugby tonight on tour thing. The food there looked outstanding. The 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 awful thing that I couldn't get past was there was no coffee machine. What? What? It was. I had to have. Huh? It, I had to have instant coffee in a foam cup. What did you throw it? At what? Uh, but apparently the coffee machine is in the changing room. Ah. Uh, so if you do to the say, players, the players have it in yeah. their own in the changing rooms. So, but that be come on. Exactly. Gives come on, come on! I want a flat white, not a bloody foam cup instant. So if you go to sale, right, you you'll help you can help yourself to a brew. They don't call it coffee; it's, it's a brew. It's northern, and you've got a little thing, a little um, like tea, Urn. and yeah. you, 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 you've been there. That's what you do. But they do have a real coffee machine as well. Again, it is hidden in the in in, in the players' room. Uh. You just got to know where to look. Uh. Um, yeah, but the food. Just, it's worth looking at this documentary to look at the standard of food the Harlequins boys get. This chef apparently is the ex England football chef. Oh, nice! He, it's awesome. In fact, I'm quite like to interview him. Yeah, that that would be quite a cool interview actually. Yeah. Get him on Dungeon. Exactly. Uh, I can ask, well, if you want to talk about like nutrition and rugby, then I could make a recommendation for a um, a rugby dungeon who actually would be really interesting. James Hudson. Oh, he's at, I was at uni at Bath with him. Uh, played for Bath and London Irish and Gloucester and Newcastle and he was a he's, a he's like a biological uh, no a sort of um, biochemist biochemist yeah and, well, he, and he's what does he know he, he does kind of nutrition stuff for rugby I think ah, so yeah interesting. Well, I've tap done him up Charlie Moore Charlie Morgan and Charlie Walker in the Zebrae he, he ah, yeah. li- listens out on Tuesday and uh, I think that's that's, so that'll be a good one because after Charlie Morgan did the piece with him talking about how he went from being on a very nice deal at Quinn's to yeah. uh, 
well, Gustard not really wanting to pay him what he was previously on. Basically, basically, uh, Gustard wants wingers that can catch balls in the air. Is what it comes down to. Uh, anyway, it's, it's only an interview, so you right. can listen to that next week. Well, let's get back to let's get I'll back to Six that. Nations and looking ahead to rugby that is coming up. So big. This is a very very big weekend of Six Nations rugby. This one. Let's deal with Scotland Italy and get that one out of the way. The Wooden Spoon Bowl. So that is the first game of the weekend. That is as the well. first game of the weekend. Two fifteen well. on Saturday. Um, so Italy's performance against France last weekend. That was the game I enjoyed most out of the three that yeah, I really? watched. Yeah, okay. it was a really it was a really good game. I think Italy they scored three tries. They were unlucky not to get either a losing bonus point, um, which they lost thanks to some magic from Baptiste Saran, um, or the fourth try point because they had a few opportunities to do it. So I think Italy, assuming the conditions are better than the Scotland England game, Italy will be going out to score tries, and it should make for an entertaining game. I this agree. One. So it might not be a snooze fest that you you might think. Will Scotland get the tries? Will the weather be terrible? I'm so hoping the weather. <coughs> what fumble is Stuart Hogg going to do this week? If it's storm, if it's a, a storm beginning with E next weekend, what are we going for? Like this should have been Storm Kira Part Two. <laughs> yeah, Storm Kira Part Two Electric no. Boogaloo. <laughs> or they I should love... have called it Storm. They should have called it. I saw someone mention this. I thought it was great. A great point that they missed an open goal, not calling it Daniels. Stormy, Stormy Daniels. Daniels. Oh. How many blown off jokes could you have made? Oh, oh. damn it. <laughs> I like Storm Dennis because it does remind me of uh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah. so, makes me happy. Most underrated comedy of all time, that. L- love it. Do you know what I've started doing recently? I started watching um, not... Uh, what the hell is it? What's Larry David one? Uh, Kirby Kirby. Enthusiasm is my is the best is my favourite show of all time. Right, so I, I don't bother watching the shows. I just watch the highlights on YouTube continually. <laughs> I mean, there, there's just like hours and hours of just punchlines and highlights. I don't need to know. I don't need to know what. Happened. You don't need the setup to the gag. It's, you just want the gag. It's glorious. The, the best thing about that show is it. It's sort of this. These things happen towards the start, and you're like you're wondering which one of those things is going to come back and bite him on the ass at the end. It's, I love that show. <laughs> yeah. He often gives like a, it's almost like a knowing look when there's the setup early yeah. on that oh, I'm going to regret that later. <laughs> hey. Right, next game. So how, how, oh, sorry, how do you see that we're going Italy Scotland? Ah, uh, I, I Scotland. think give me Scotland. Scotland, Scotland will Scotland, win. Scotland have to win. Italy will be putting everything on this. Yeah, this is this is their winnable fixture. Yep. Give me Scotland, but give me Italy to get at least one, possibly two bonus points. I'm going to go Scotland narrowly. I really, I, I would. Love to see Italy get a win. Poor yeah. Scotland if they do. Yeah, I mean, so if Italy win, that might actually be Finsel's best route back to playing in the Scotland shirt, because yeah. his best route is getting is Gregor Townsend being fired right now, and Italy win makes that one step closer. Yeah, I can. So Finn Russell well, is going to. What does Scotland get? I mean, I know Finn Russell's being paid well at Racing, but what does Scotland get per game? Because if it was twenty five bags a game, it's about six grand, I think. If it was twenty five grand much a game, less. like England, oh, go on. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, on. Gregor, I know I've said a few things, <laughs> and you've said a few things, but can we make up? Well, they should, yeah, yeah, agree. They should make up, and they should play. Yeah. And then, I mean, the Six Nations could be France's to lose if England beat Ireland and France beat Wales. France will beat Wales. Do you think? Hundred percent. I don't think they will. I think they will. Where is it? Cardiff. In Cardiff. Oh no, no, Wales will win that. No. Give, me, give me Wales. Give me, give me France. France Grand Slam. France. They showed uh, 
some fragility against Italy. It's a brand new team. Weekend. It's a brand new team, brand new it coaches, is. and they turned over the World Cup finalists. Yeah, England play England play badly, and Wales at home it, will not will, will not play as badly as England play. But this is, again, this is a new Welsh team. This isn't this isn't Gatland's Wales. And, and Wales came Gatland, came Wales came closer to beating South Africa yeah. than England did. Gatland's Wales, okay, which will. You know, it's going to haunt us now, isn't it, for the rest of our lives? <laughs> that we were lucky enough to see this, and we'll never see it again. But Gatlin's Wales nearly lost to France in the in the quarters. Uh, they nearly lost to France last time in Paris. And in fact, if it wasn't for Johan Uge, they were sixteen nil down at half yeah, time. Yeah, it's they? the biggest comeback that they've ever had. It's not going to happen again. And I think this France is better than last France, and this Wales is worse than last Wales. Well, the fly half situation is a worrying one for Wales. It is. Yeah, if if they don't have bigger, that is a massive blow. And they don't have Anscombe. Anyway, yeah, um, and they don't have Henson, of yeah, course. Henson's, Henson's out. Stephen Jones isn't available. He's coaching. Yeah, um, who is the next? Next night is it? Um, the guy from Blues. What's his face? Uh, Jared Evans. Jared Evans. I liked how he played actually. He, he did all right when he came on. He did. But he's, not, he's not done bigger. No, no one has done bigger. Uh, Owen Farrell is not done bigger. <laughs> uh, Owen Farrell wants to be the player that done bigger is. I know I've said this before. I've been proven right hundred hundred times out of a hundred on the on this one. If we ignore the Lions, a hundred times out of a hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, but only because done bigger wasn't start. Can't play twelve. Or doesn't want to play twelve. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there you go. So uh, you're so you're saying France, France with bigger whales, without yeah. without bigger, it's more much harder to call. Um, but I, I still think Wales at home. Yeah, roof on. It makes no difference. Oh, I still think <laughs> Wales at home. They have got. They've lost their substance. Maybe, maybe they win. Maybe it's like the dead cat bounce and they throw it about a bit. No, they're not. They're not. France <laughs> going to win this. France, France are too good. And okay. also, France have got probably the world's best defence coach who knows Wales or the players inside out. He does. Yeah, he has the keys to un- to unlock anyone. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, or, or lock them down. I might, I might add. He has asked, unlock yeah. them. Unlock uh, them. Sean Edwards, by the way, at will. Yeah. yeah, Sean Edwards, by the way, has asked referees to learn a bit more French to be able to talk to his players. I'm, I, I, I would like to. He should only be able to do that if he comes out and does a press conference in French. He, he did. You'll see it. I saw him say. Uh, well, he said some forwards in French. We, we, we. We, we. Yeah. I, I do think. Dual point, point here. It'll be. It'd be probably be a little bit easier for the French team to control. The language barrier if they just teach the French players to speak English, which most of them probably do because the number of South Africans and yeah. Kiwis and Aussies and... and most of it is first language, yeah, yeah. Um, and the second one would be, yeah, it's a good life lesson for the French to to learn English. So why not <laughs> to learn Wigan? Yeah, to learn, yeah, Wiganese. <laughs> uh, Tim, hold on. Line speed. Oh no, sorry. Let's <laughs> uh, do that in French. En français. Oh come on. Hmm. I'm trying to do. Oh, there we go. That one. Lean speed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's not going to pick that up very quickly. <laughs> Give him a few Lin months speed. to pick that one up. <laughs> Did you know it was Lin speed? <laughs> no, that can't be right. I think. What, I think what I might have done is it's just not... got them to say it in a French voice <laughs> by accident. <laughs> Lin speed. We got some big, big um, games anyway coming up. There we go. Yeah. So anyway. yeah, there's that game, and then so Sunday at three o'clock, England. Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go. Vitesse de la ligne. 
Linsbid. So yeah. Oh, sorry. Fucking. Yeah. So the most tasty of all these games is obviously England Island. Yeah, because they've both beat each other away yes. in the preceding two years. Yeah. So Ireland took England apart and Twickenham as the um, the jewel in the crown of JB's downfall 2018. Yep. Beautiful. Thing. And England took Ireland apart in the start yes, of their 2019 did. downfall. Oh, that was so beautiful. Both these teams are the same. They are they are identical to each other. I mean, there's a bit of the. In fact, they're so similar. Even the coaching lineage is, is slightly is slightly similar. So you've got the old Farrell effect on England, which is then ex- expressed via Gustard, and you know some of that must still be around. And you know, all the Saracens. The old, and that. The, well, the Saracens link like Borthwick and Farrell. Yeah, Given and and then you've got Ireland, who are obviously coached by Farrell. Uh, they are a big, abrasive bunch of forwards. They like to carry the ball. They love their defending. They are the same team in different jerseys. So how's it going to match up? I have no idea. Whoever, you know, if a team has a slight edge, if they play slightly better, they will win. It's basically who want. I think it comes down almost to who wants it more. Manu, Manu is back and available. Good. That That makes that makes a big difference. It does because you saw in the game uh, last year, the 2019 game. Just even when he's not got the ball. Like the, the first try, the Johnny May try, which was a magnificent pass from uh, Farrell straight across Tuolagi's face to Daly, who breaks through, pops to May. May glides in after three minutes or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. But the the space afforded to Farrell and Daly because of the presence of Tuolagi is so important. I wonder if he goes back to having Owen Farrell at ten and Manu at thir- uh, Manu at, at 12? twelve because it was so effective first time round. Uh, Hang on, did they do that first time round? Yeah, they did, didn't they? In 2019, yeah. I, I can't remember. I'm sure they did. I might have I th- slayed. I, I think, I think you're right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd go with the same thing. Slade uh, not available. Tuilagi and JJ. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Or do you move daily in? Well, Ford is playing so well. Ford, Ford is playing well. So I would, I would go 10 to 13. Ford, Farrell, Tuilagi. It feels a lot more aggressive when you have Farrell at 10. It does. And... It feels like you mean business. And F- Ford, yeah. Ford, I think he's slightly more conservative as well because he takes pressure off Farrell, but he also takes pressure off um, Furbank at 15 because he often drops Drops deep. right back. And mm. he's a good receiver and a good decision maker and an excellent kicker. So he's. It is, it's a less aggressive, more like conservative approach because Ford is... Yeah, he can. Ireland take off the and Ireland are going to kick, 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 kick. Mark my words, they will just <clears> chuck, <throat> chuck bombs up. Oh, if I said something, if I said, if I use more language, Uh-oh. sorry. Uh oh, <laughs> it's, it's going to. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's going to be one of those games where work rate is going to come into it massively. You know, just simple things, kick chasing. You know, it's going to. It's the sort of game that I really like, rather than you know, skill based. <laughs> well, it, I think it, there will be because Ireland. The one thing they're doing more is they are, on the odd occasion, spreading it a bit wider, a bit earlier than mm. they would under Schmidt. That's what it's appeared to me. So, like, the, did you see the... It was Earl's pass to Lama in the Wales game where he almost gets man and ball. They're trying to go wide, quick. Um, he's almost taken man and ball, but he manages to throw... 
in a half second throw a 30 ma- thirty metre pass out to Lama who then makes an extra 40 yards. So I think I think there might be a bit few more skills on show if the conditions suit it. If they don't suit it, both teams will stick it up the jumper. Yeah. And like England I like So England against Scotland, they didn't throw a single offload. Not one. Hang on. But that was like biblical but weather. It was biblical weather. Scotland still chucked a few in, mm. but it it does show that England they are going to play according to the conditions and if the conditions dictate it's a day to grind it out. Yes, they I, will grind it out. When I think of England, is I think England can beat anyone when they play well. It's up to them whether they win. If they play poorly, they will lose. If they play well, they'll, they'll win. It's a kind of unusual situation they find themselves in. Uh, but so put your money where your mouth is. Twickenham, England. England. By four. Yeah, I think that's a good score. I, I mean, Ireland I've, have done it. And I, I think they've been the best. I think they looked... I don't think they've been given the credit for how good they were against Wales. Yeah. And I, I am worried I, about that. I would agree with that, actually. Give me Ireland. Ooh. I am worried. And on that bombshell. It's going to be a big one. There are premiership it's games premiership going on as well. premiership games as well. So we'll quickly rattle through oh, those. yeah, okay, fine. So we have... Sale Friday night against Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, Sale hosting Leicester. Big game. You two um, going to be there? I'll, uh, I'll be there. You I won't be. Why? I've got some friends up. Huh. And I'm travelling down to Exeter on Saturday. Oh. oh nice. Um, I will be there then. So, Sale have got to right the wrongs. It'll be a pretty much full-strength Sale team. Leicester missed in... Well, George Ford is the one that really counts. Yep. Yeah, Sale will win this at home. You would hope so. I mean, you would really, really Sale, hope so. Sale have to win this. They yeah. will. They, they will. will, comfortably, they will. I think. Wasps host Saracens. Uh, if what... <sighs> give me Saracens. If Even on the strength of the teams... Um, if Saracens play the way they did, if Wasps play the way they did, Saracens will win. Yep. I'm going to go Wasps at home. Oof. Edging that one. Saturday, two, three o'clock games. We've got Bath Harlequins. Bath at home. Bath Harlequins, yep. Yep. Uh, in what is likely to be a dreadful pitch, bog. dreadful conditions. Bog, bog, bog. Um, so FRD don't pick any uh, Bath or Harlequins outside backs unless you have a really good shout. I bet I'm in, in for a good week next week. What? Uh, my FRD team against against uh, Tigers. Oh yeah, you've got you've got so many sale, sale players, players. basically. <laughs> when Sale play badly, oh, that's what I mean. You still managed to bloody it's a win fluke this week. Win. Fluke. Um, and then we've got London Irish hosting Gloucester. Gloucester to correct their errors from last week. I'd say so. I'll Irish go. didn't Irish win? They won their last home game against. They beat Northampton, Ooh. didn't they? They did. Beat Northampton at home, so they could be going for three in a row. And Gloucester are flaky enough to, to, to yeah, lose. Yeah, true. I'm still going to Gloucester win, but it wouldn't surprise me. If yeah, I'm going to say if we Gloucester in it. Yeah, that'd be tight. Um, and then on Sunday we have Bristol hosting Worcester. Give me Bristol. Bristol. And Exeter hosting Northampton. Top of the table clash. It's Exeter hosting Northampton. There's no be way Exeter. I can see Northampton doing that. I'm working no. that one. Looking forward to that one. So I, I honestly couldn't tell who's going to win that one. <laughs> nope. You have to tune in to find out. Yeah, uh, tune in one o'clock. BT Sport. One o'clock. You got two games on. Well, because there's the England, England game, game afterwards. At three o'clock. Oh, brilliant! So what? So what's? And what's good is my flight back to Manchester is after the England game, but in plenty of time to get back here to do the podcast. Wonderful! Uh, Fantastic! So I can sit timing. in the departure. I'm going to go, I'm gonna get a taxi straight to the departure lounge. Sit, watch the England you're from, game. You're from Newquay. From Exeter. Exeter. 
Exeter to Manchester. Yeah, it's Fly B. That's why I need that company to stay afloat. Yes, thank you for listening. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. He is at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking there somewhere, ready to slide into your DMs. There's one more thing. There's one more thing I need to bring up. You've been writing articles on on the on the slide, Tim Cocker. Have you read it? No, but no. someone told me that they'd got the rugby journal and you're in it. Yes, I'm. Yeah. What what, what have you done? So uh, the rugby journal is a quarterly. It's the sort of thing you would a very beautiful looking. Um, I was, was going to say magazine, coffee but, table no, it, it, type, coffee table professional type thing, publication, yeah. like, thick, so I, beautiful. So I coffee get table. a very similar one called Wings, right, which is an aviation one, and it's about that thick, and it's full of just amazing photography of airplanes and a few words. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah, isn't it? it's beautiful. Um, but it's it's. I've done an article, hopefully the first of a few. But my article is rugby grappling with social media. Of course. Oh. So you can vent on that on, in the rugby journal. I, I, don't, I, th- I think it's quite uh, hopefully thought provoking rather than venting. Mm. I, I, w- I think I managed to hide my venting. Oh. <laughs> I, I will look forward to reading that. Yes, yeah. well, I was told. I was told by by a guy in Talk H who subscribes to the Rugby Journal. So if you want to read Tim, Tim's work, Rugby Journal is where it is where it's at. Get the Rugby Journal. Uh, d- subscribe to our podcast and let the boys play. Let the boys play. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.